airing the Addisons. Let me say this, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we've got to be careful and make sure that in everything, man, we are trying to get as close to what the word says as possible. And we got to understand that with that type of wickedness, man, you know, God does not wink at that. That's judgment. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. And you don't have shades of truth. You have truth or you have error. You have fact or you have fiction. And now we go into the thick of it. Uh oh. Uh oh. Erin Addison's. On American Family Radio, thank you so much for listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And Sherry B's over in Studio CC. We will um, make our way to the third segment and hopefully get to take some of your calls just to get your reaction, your commentary on the discussion today. Um, so hopefully you'll stick around for that. Uh, before we get into the thick of it, looking mm-hmm. at um, a couple headlines here in particular, one especially, um, but you guys know how we do. You know, there may be some other things that we'll discuss kind of weaving into the discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, before we do that, let's let's talk about the Marriage Family Life Conference coming up at the end of June. Yes, at the end of June, uh, June 24th to the 26th, we have the Marriage Family Life Conference uh, happening here in Tupelo, Mississippi at Hope Church. Uh, it's going to just be a great event. You can go to marriagefamilylife.net, marriagefamilylife.net. And right now we're in our early bird uh, rate, and that will be until April 1st. And so now uh, you can get uh, your tickets at a discounted rate if you go to marriagefamilylife.net. And remember, we have a conference within the conference. It's called the Youth Apologetics uh, Track, and it's for children from age 4 to 17. And so... If you would like to be a part of this and your whole family can come, uh, we will really enjoy to see you there. Uh, the whole family will be ministered to. And that's something that we um, really wanted to do when putting uh, this conference together was something that the whole family can come to. So marriagefamilylife.net to get your uh, tickets. And uh, it's just going to be a great time. We have some great speakers. You can see the lineup. Once you go to the uh, website, hit on hit speakers. And there's a list of the speakers that will take part this year. So I hope you can come. All right. Let's um, let's back up before we get into the discussion for today. Let's back up and just kind of lay a little bit of groundwork just in case, just in case, because um, our program is specifically done for Christians. Mm -hmm. We are Christians and uh, we just want to live authentic lives. (laughs) We want to go out into the culture with our full selves. Okay. (laughs) I'm just trying to think of how many other ways do we say it currently in society. (laughs) Um, bring your full self out, and um, and and we want to do that as Christians. So when we do this radio show, we are not just people who happen to talk about Christian things. We're not, you know, we we are Christians. Jesus mm-hmm. Christ has purchased that identity. Um, to even be associated with Him um, is is a privilege that we have received because of His sacrifice. All right, so we are appropriating his righteousness. Now we are the righteousness of God in Christ, Mm -hmm. in Christ. And excuse me. So we take it very seriously that first and foremost, we are Christians. Mm -hmm. We have no interest in trying to do um, radio that is just moral, good, clean radio. Right. Right. We have no interest in trying to um, maintain social media platforms that are just, oh, fun and engaging and right. light and moral. And right. we are Christians, yes. right? 
So now having said that, um, our aim is to do radio for Christians. Mm -hmm. This is radio that is meant to encourage, to challenge, to equip Christians to look at what's happening in the culture mm -hmm. and to respond biblically. Mm -hmm. Boom. That's that's what we do. Yes. We do that unapologetically. Amen. There are many, many people who can do many, many other things. And hopefully you have your favorite podcast that you go to for those things as well. Maybe we are just one of many different outlets that you turn to mm -hmm. to listen to commentary on various things. Um, I would say if you have file folders, um, put us in the file folder marked authentic Christians, you know, <laughs> and this is how this is how we respond to the culture. Yes. In order to do that, what we often do is we will take headlines and um, we will discuss those headlines and then we will talk about how we as Christians should be processing that through a biblical lens. Mm -hmm. So we use an incredible amount of scripture on any given day because that should be how Christians operate when there's not a microphone on. Right. And, and and let me also just be clear that using scripture does not mean that as you are using scripture that you must always be saying first John two one mm -hmm. or but it is so um, in you that it is what comes out of you, Amen. not only in just what you say, but also in how you respond, how you how you think about things. This is what it is to have a mind that has been renewed, a mind that has been transformed, if you will. Um, so that's what you are likely to catch us doing. Now, since I'm saying we're laying some groundwork here, that's that's the first part. Forgive me for all of the Christians who are listening who feel like you have a firm grasp of what the Bible says about sin and judgment and hell. OK, but I want to I want to go back because it, it, this is going to be so necessary for the the conversation that we're going to have today it's going to be so necessary for us to constantly go back to now remember this is what we believe remember this is what we believe mm -hmm. so we believe based on what is revealed to us in God's word that man has transgressed against God and that the result of that is death mm -hmm. we call it as the Bible calls it wages right. for sin death the Bible goes through and lists the result of that separation. You can read about this in Romans 1. It is um, effectively God's case against humanity, mm -hmm. all right? The wrath of God has appeared against all mankind, right? These are the things that, that we have done that are sort of, um, you know, permission to approach the bench. This is the case that we have against mankind, yeah. right? Yeah. This, is, this is who we are. Um, we believe that those of us who have not received who've not received the forgiveness that is available because of accepting the finished work of Jesus Christ, that we will have to pay the penalty for our sin. It is in our DNA. We are rebellious against God on our own. We do not want him. We want to be God. Hmm. All right. Um, this has infected our DNA, but Jesus Christ paid the penalty for sin. This is why when people say, um, they would rather just focus on the love of God and not so much talk about justice and judgment, not recognizing that to separate those things would would be to ignore the cross. You understand what I'm saying? Because mm -hmm. it is God's love that poured out his wrath, which is judgment of sin on mm -hmm. his son. Mm -hmm. OK, <laughs> inextricably linked God's love and his judgment. 
All right. Um, so we believe that God judges sin and that man left to himself is on a conveyor belt on a trajectory to hell. Right. Right. This has not changed because 21st century America has changed. Right. So I want people to understand that when we are talking about God's righteous judgment, we are echoing, underlining, highlighting what uh, 2000 years of church history has passed down to us. Right. In the scriptures. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, So now having said all of that. Society is changing and society is changing in the way that it views human sexuality and sexual identity. And there are some people who would say, well, you guys spend an awful lot of time talking about this. And I mean, that's fine. Um, But there are an awful lot of headlines (laughs) out there today that uh, sort of keep bringing it up. All right. And, and, and keep sort of like forcing the conversation. So here are the headlines today. And um, the topic of the show is the strategy is working and the numbers are out to prove it. The strategy is working and the numbers are out to prove it. I was reading this article early this morning from USA Today. This article from USA Today. Society is changing. I think everyone can see that and everyone would agree. Society is changing. A record 5.6% of U.S. adults identify as LGBTQ. Polling numbers show. Now, here's the question. Who's driving those numbers? Young people are. Mm. Young people are. Now, listen, I I don't so much. I don't so much care about how people, you know, train their children. You know, I. I, I think most parents would agree that their hands are quite full in navigating their own households, right? Yeah. Like we, yeah. we all pretty much have a lot, you know. So why do we care? Why are we, why are we um, talking about this? Because there are also an awful lot of complaints about where society and culture are. Like, how did we get here? Why mm-hmm. are we here? Why are we here? Right. Like, ah, everybody's looking. Yeah, yeah, you know, we're like, how did this happen? And, and, and then, you know, and so, so then, I mean, because the ball comes into my court, I'm like, well, (laughs) the way that we get here is through intense indoctrination. That's right. You continue to change society and change culture by changing the people who make up that society and that culture. Right. And so now we see the result of that. Now we see these things that sort of like, you know, if, if you want, you could call it the fruit of what we, you know, have planted. All right. Now kind of springing forth. Right. Um, so here's a story, and then let's 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 drill down. Okay. This article, though not a Christian article, you know, <laughs> makes a case unlike any that I think we've discussed in recent months. Um, makes a case for why you, as parents and grandparents, um, should be indoctrinating your kids. You should be training your kids, giving them sound doctrine, mm-hmm. sound doctrine. Um, and and let me also say this as we get into this. You will recognize, I hope, I hope you will recognize the case that we have repeatedly made that educating a child is not limited to a classroom. (laughs) Please do not think that just because your child is either in a classroom setting, you say for this set amount of time or, or 
please don't make this mistake. Well, my kid is not in a traditional classroom setting. So this amount of time I know is spent here and then think you're just done. What I am talking about is intense training for the purpose of preservation. Mm. That's what I'm talking about. Mm. And, and really, and, and I've been saying it for a long time, and I'm going to keep saying it, probably even our best efforts, okay, mm. require more. We yeah. probably should be doing more. Yeah. All right? And the world understands this. And I'm speaking right. of world the way the Bible speaks of world, okay? Understands how intense the training and the indoctrination has to be. They un- the, the world gets it. For some reason, those of us for whom it is supposed to be true that the spirit of God indwells, right? I mean, that's that's supposed to be like what we, you know, for some reason, we are that that knife when you go to cut your tomato <laughs> that ends up just smushing the tomato because ah. it's not sharp. That's us. I don't know why. Hate that. I don't know why. When we are supposed to be the one that you throw the tomato up and swing. Boom. <laughs> Why? Because we're not operating Come on our on. own. So we're supposed to be like that yeah. act now and then we'll give you two. Yeah. yeah. We're supposed to be that ninja knife that Sharp. is just like, yeah. you know, cut through a can and then what? Watch this tomato. No, but we're not. We're the one that they they use when they're like, has this ever happened to you? <laughs> oh, man. You know what I mean? Right. And then yeah. you end up tomato juice. But, that, but that's not supposed to be us, guys. Come on. We are really set up to win. So why does this keep happening? Well, because we have not really truly bought into what the Bible says about wickedness and about domains and kingdoms and things like that. We don't really Mm. believe that. We read it and we think, well, that was just, you know, it was what Paul was experiencing. It's not, that's not, I mean, we're, you know, we don't have to, well, but, but when Paul says to the Colossians that you have been brought from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of God, what does this mean? We don't we don't know. We don't investigate. We don't you know, we don't drill down. And so then we just think that a lot of this is just Mickey getting amped for no reason. (laughs) (laughs) The girl needs to drink less coffee. That's what we think it is. A record number of U.S. adults, 5.6 percent now identifying as LGBTQ, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender and queer. An increase propelled by a younger generation staking out its presence in the world. A poll released last week on Wednesday shows these numbers. We will get into this Gallup poll and we will talk about it, talk about the implications and also talk about where we need to go from here. All right. Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio will break and we'll be right back. on the Addison's on American Family Radio. I'm Miki. And I'm Will, and that's Phil Wickham with Till I Found You. Appreciate Sherry B. over in Studio CC. We're discussing this USA Today article. I will just get right into it. Um, a record number of U.S. adults, 5.6%, identify as LGBTQ, an increase mm. propelled by a younger generation, staking out its presence in the world. Um, this article says a poll released Wednesday shows. The survey by Gallup marks more than a 1% jump from the last poll in uh, 2017, in which 4.5% of adults identified as lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer. 
The estimated 18 million adults who identify as lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer represent a continued upward trajectory since Gallup started tracking identification Mm -hmm. in 2012. Mm -hmm. Quote, this is from the senior editor for Gallup, a man named Jeff Jones. This is what he said. Quote, it reflects what we are seeing in society and the way society is changing. Let me say that again. It reflects what we are seeing in society and the way society is changing, end quote. One of the biggest headlines in the 2020 poll is the emergence of Generation Z adults, Gen Z, Gen Z, those 18 to 23. One in six or 15.9% of adults in this age group, 18 to 23, 15.9%, one in six identify as lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer. In each of the older generations, that number continues to decrease, gets lower and lower. For the first time, Gallup queried respondents on their precise sexual orientation, rather than a simple yes or no on whether someone identified as lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer allowing more insight into identity among lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer adults, a majority or 54.6% identified as bisexual. The polls shows Mm -hmm. about a quarter, 24.5% identify as gay, 11.7% lesbian and 11.3%, 11.3% as transgender generation Z again leads the way 72% who identify as lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer say that they are bisexual. Their gender differences as well. Gallup found women are more likely than men to identify as LGBTQ. Women are also more likely to identify as bisexual more so than men advocates are not surprised to see more young people identifying as lgbtq a woman by the name of enike mashovic executive director of um, the think tank movement advancement project i was unfamiliar with this group so i had to check them out as i was reading this article anyway she she cites generational shifts in awareness and acceptance that have reshaped how LGBTQ youths are embraced by families and peers. Let me say that again. Generational shifts in awareness and acceptance have reshaped how LGBTQ youths are embraced by families and peers. Now, I want to jump down here because this article goes on to outline the role that parents have played in the increase in how individuals who are questioning their sexuality, struggling with their sexuality, or just living comfortably in whatever their chosen sexuality is, how parents play a role in this. Mm -hmm. Okay. Back to the article. Parents have created environments where young people not only feel safe in coming out, but those on the cusp of adulthood 
can map futures packed with possibilities, something not even seen in a generation ago. Hmm. Um, yeah, I'm going to hmm. insert some commentary here. So the reason I started out um, talking about what we believe as Christians was not only to get us all on the same page, but it was just to kind of recalibrate us. Yeah. Those of us who are already on this page, like it was just to recalibrate us to say, um, if what we believe as Christians is driven by the word of God, we must then argue that since the word of God does not change, then what we believe as Christians does not change. Amen. There is not a new revelation um, to which we owe allegiance that would drive the way we engage culture and society. Amen. Okay. So there's not, there's not like a new document that comes out for the Christian faith every five to 10 years. Um, there's not a new document that is circulated within various cultures around the world. Okay. We have the one mainstay, mm-hmm. the Holy word of God. All right. The breathed out word of God that God also preserved for the church so that it got to us. Amen. And it has worked in every culture and in every generation, but what something and it will continue to work. Will not pass away. Let me, let me, let me, let me say this. Um, so something has changed. Okay. And a lot of it, believe it or not. And this is probably to me, um, the most saddening thing. What has changed is that Christians are more driven by trends and entertainment and popularity than they are theology. I want you to understand that so often what we have been battling in our culture from the church outward, okay, what we have been battling is not often these overt shifts in theology. Rather, it is the theology that begins to change because the culture changes. Mm. So then the theology begins to reflect what is pervasive in the culture. Mm. Understand, people don't just stand up in church and say, you know what, Romans 1 is a lie. And from this pulpit, we will start a new understanding of Romans 1. Nope, because, see, that would be very jolting to the church. And a lot of people would stand up and be like, oh, heretic. No, you're not orthodox. So that's not what happens. What happens instead is the quiet whisper of people who have come from the culture and have been taught a new way to see scripture because the culture is changing. And so what is now normative and what is now accepted must also now um, shape and twist the scriptures. So then people come in and they don't say that um, Romans 1 is wrong. They say, well, that could not have been what Paul meant because I have I have gay family members. Hmm. So there cannot be a judgment for these members of my family who (laughs) are so loving And so kind, I just cannot believe that God would send them to hell. And then you have some people who are quite willing. Um, The Bible warns us that they are at our love feasts. They are there, these false teachers. They're all too willing to validate that. And then you attach an industry to lying about what the word of God says. And you have sort of like a cauldron that is a mix of uh, eternal destruction. Okay. And and so what, what then comes from the church is, Yes, 
there must be a new way to understand this. So then we um, we concoct things like gay Christianity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then we have parents who love their kids more than God. They love their kids more than God. And, and, and so listen, I cannot tell you what the Bible says <laughs> because that would hurt you. And uh, if I hurt you, that hurts me. And God's going to just have to understand. Mm. He's going to have to just get it. And so this, this gives, this sheds a little bit of light on this, you know, putting your hand to the plow and looking back, you're not worthy. Mm-hmm. Um, this is like, you know, hating father, mother, sister, brother, like all of these things. Like, you know, if it's so hard for us to understand it until we get into a context like this, where it's like, well, who do I choose? Hmm. Who do I choose? Do I choose fidelity to scripture? Do I choose fidelity to the word of God and Jesus Christ who ransomed me? Right. Um, or do I choose, in some instances, the child that I carried? Man. You understand? This is where, look, guys, it's not easy. And, and It's and, not easy. And I'll just say, you know, because I was thinking the exact same thing when you were um, talking about this. It, it's it, The word of God is so amazing because, I mean, God, like, like we said, in all times, the word of God is the word of God. Yes. So, you know, God knew that. You know, America would be here one day. He knew that it would be, you know, this would be here, that would be here. And, and, and Christians and 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 people who are there to follow follow God would be uh, a question with these type of questions. That's right. And the word of God lines out exactly, you know, the same type of scenarios and what is to be done, you know. Yes. And and so so we can go to the, the straight edge of Scripture. and. Amen. If we will have the heart to follow the word of God, we have the answer right here in front of us. So instead of applying it and saying to your child, you know, and and I love I love the way um, I love the way the Lord um, spoke to Abraham regarding Isaac. You know, get your son, take him, the one whom you love. Mm -hmm. I mean, right. That's just like it's a thick layer right there. The one whom you love. It's like it's it's packed with such um, an immediately understood <laughs> emphasis. Yeah. You know that that when you think about it, it's like for parents today in 21st century America. Yeah. The scriptures are calling for us to tell the truth to our children. You know, the ones that we love, the ones that we mm. love to say, you know, God has already judged this. And, and I will walk through this with you, but I will not affirm this. I will not condone. I will not give my approval. Because I am convicted that to give my approval here is to agree to condemn you to hell, to say, yep, that's where that's, I mean, sure. But just, just be happy now. Or, let me say this, or we have just decided we will not believe what the Bible teaches hmm. about sin and judgment and hell. We either believe it, mm-hmm. but we are too cowardly to inconvenience people in the meantime. So we're like, well, they'll just have to, you know, um, map all that out and sort all that out in the end. I mean, you know, I, hmm. but I'm, you're not going to be mad at me while we're here. Do you, you, that is very selfish. Yeah. And, and I'm going to say that is unloving. That is unloving. Please, please. And this is what every Christian must make clear. This is what I believe. 
Now, if you are going to dislike me and you're going to call me hateful and wicked and you're going to call me bigoted, please, I want you to be clear and I want it to be accurate what I believe. I often tell this story because even as I was experiencing this story, it was so unbelievable to me. Had a Muslim friend in college sit across from me. He was a dorm advisor, like dorm security protection person. I don't know. These, you know, whatever they do. <laughs> Supposed to bounce the, the kids out of the dorms if they get out of line, the guys that were checking in. And I was a hall counselor. And this guy was uh, a devout Muslim. And he saw me studying my Bible. I was on duty studying my Bible. So he comes and sits across one of these white long tables, right? He said, hey, hey, you know, um, man, you, 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 really, you're, you really love God. You're, you're like real, like uh, serious about being a Christian, he says. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm a Christian. And he says, you know, I believe that even though you're not Muslim, he says, um, I believe because, look, I see you're not like you're, you're, you don't, you're not bringing guys up to your room. These other girls, they all say they're Christians, but look at how they act. Look at how they dress. He was marking them and watching how they lived. Inconsistent lives, by the way, by the way. And he says, so I believe that, you know, even though you're not Muslim, you're a good person. He says, I believe that you're going you're gonna to go to heaven. I believe that you're going to see God, you know. And I don't really know, you know, I still, even all of these years later, I don't know, like, what's the response to a person when they say, you know, what do you say? And so I was just like, <laughs> okay, thanks. I mean, I don't know. I don't know, you know. Um, and then he said, uh, motioning over to my Bible, he goes, hey, so, so what about you? Like, what do you think about me? You think I'm going to go to heaven? <laughs> right? And I said, um, well, it doesn't, it doesn't matter what I think about you. I can tell you what the scriptures say about those who will see God. I can tell you what my Bible says about those who will see God. So he says, what does your Bible say? Well, those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ, those who have accepted his sacrifice, they will see God. Those who believe that he is the son of God <laughs> will see God. You, you see what I'm doing here? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why? Well, you know, I believe that Jesus is a good teacher and we were taught. You know, I, right, right. But but that's not the faith that saves you. And he slammed his hands on that table and pushed back away because he had taken a seat. And he said, I just told you you were going to heaven and you're telling me that I'm going to hell. And I said, uh, no, I didn't. I didn't tell you. I didn't tell you you were going to hell. You asked me what I thought. I told you what the Bible said. Now, here's the question you have to ask yourself. And I remember it like it was yesterday. I said, you have to wonder why does what my Bible say offend you so much? Why, why does that offend you so much? Guys, listen, we have moments where we have to show up. Yeah. And we have to be available and willing to tell the truth because people's eternities hang in the balance. We are not just trying to compel people to live good lives. We're not telling people, hey, you know, I mean, it's part of the American dream. Wink, wink, arm, arm, elbow, elbow. No, this is, we're talking about life and death set in front of people. Mm-hmm. And yet we're like, I love them too much to hurt them. Then you don't love them. If you really believe what the Bible says and you cower and you lie to your children, you lie to your grandchildren, your nieces and your nephews, then you don't love them. And the information is confirmed that with this increase 
Somebody somewhere is not telling the truth. Aaron the Addisons, American Family Radio. We'll be right back. There is a current deep inside. It's LGBTQ representation in communities, media, politics, and beyond in recent years is significant, said Kathy Renna, communications director for the National LGBTQ Task Force. Hmm. Quote, children are taught prejudice, and when LGBTQ people are part of their lives from the beginning, they understand that they can be themselves and are not alone, end quote. Welcome back. Aaron the Addisons on American Family Radio looking at a USA Today article. I'm talking about the rise of adults identifying as lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. Uh, I, I want to make a uh, a comment about these the, the numbers yeah. that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I remember, you know, just for the longest time, I, fi- I feel like, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, that the approach that Christians would use towards numbers about people identifying was like, oh, that's just like on the 1%. It's inflated. Yeah, you know, yeah, for the yeah. longest. And I, I remember thinking, like, man, with this massive campaign that they got going on, I uh-huh. don't know how long that's going to stay like that. That's right. You know, but that was one of the things that that's I right. felt like, you know, Christians would rest upon, like, ah, you know, it's not even that big. 1.2. Uh, yeah. 1.5. <laughs> yeah. Then 2. I think, yeah. Then 2.5. I think there was an underestimation happening. Um, yeah. The indoctrination. I think you're absolutely right. I think you are absolutely right. And and that is exactly the point. And, and what's interesting is when you are reading information like this, um, you are sort of reading, like you understand that USA Today is writing this, that this is a great report for them, mm-hmm. what they are writing. Mm. So I am reading this and I am mourning at yeah. what is being celebrated in the article, yeah. right? That the numbers are on the rise. Um, so, you know, and then credit to the parents who are allowing their kids to celebrate themselves. And, and, you know, now there's, there's no more, um, you know, uh, as one pastor we interviewed put it, there's no more the the grace of shame. Mm -hmm. You know, it is God's amazing grace that we can feel shame that we, when something is wrong and not by, not according to God's design, um, it's God's grace that we feel that we are, (laughs) Right. That we even hide. Right. You understand right. that we have that feeling <laughs> of like something is wrong. Mm. So because what we have said is that when you don't have that, I need to hide feeling, um, man, you need to be really alarmed because probably you're reprobate. Mm. You know what I mean? Like when mm-hmm. you don't, but now our culture has just sped that up. Like we have intensified the, the removal of shame from our society yeah. so that there is nothing. And, and well, I'll say that's an, another topic that we're, we're going to talk about. Um, so let me not get into that because I do want to have time to open the phone lines. Let me do this. Mm-hmm. Um, in February, Dr. Dobson wrote the article, uh, his newsletter. Where do we go from here? You remember yeah. this? Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to I want to uh, quote from his article a little bit of a, a lengthy quote here. Um, I want to read from it from his newsletter um, because I think he provides some insight and some things that we need to be thinking about as we move forward. As these numbers are climbing, it these numbers are a snowball effect. Okay, 
what we are witnessing happen in our society, and, and it's sort of like a, there's a, there's a one-two punch type of thing that's going on. What we are witnessing happen in our society is that not only are parents um, sort of determining that they cannot tell their kids the truth because that would be trauma, which they've been given that word. They've mm-hmm. been given that word trauma. Here, here is your terminology. Now use it. Okay. So we, we don't want to bring trauma upon our children by saying that God has a design for human sexuality and sexual identity. And then at the same time, so parents pull back, they pull back. They're supposed to be the first line of defense for their little, their little precious kids made in the image of God. They're supposed to be that first line of defense, teaching them the truth, writing on their slate rather than constantly responding to problems. That's one of the things we don't do. We don't do that. Well, saints, we, we don't, we don't write on our kids' slates mm-hmm. as much as we're constantly spending time trying to erase that's, what has yeah, been written. That's the whole thing of playing defense all the time. All the time. All the Stop. Stop always being in the position where you've got to erase it. Mm-hmm. Start writing. Start writing on the slate that is your child. God has put you in this position to do this. So not only are we not doing that, but we also completely underestimate the power of influence on our kids in any given day. It's not, it's not just where they are educated. It's not just where they are educated. Mm-hmm. It is what they consume in media. It's what they're watching in movies. It's who they're talking to on social media. Like all of these things are working together to normalize what God has already said. He's judged. Yeah. And the only way that is not alarming is if we don't believe it. The, the only way that that does not concern you is if we don't believe it. So, again, here is Dr. Dobson. This is his February newsletter. Um, where do we go from here? I think it's the title of it. But don't worry. We'll put the link to this in the USA Today article. And then may throw in a Lanyap article for you in the show notes uh, just so that you can read all of it. So I'm not going to have time to talk about it today. But here we go. He writes, America and Western civilization will never be the same because it is not possible to back up on a freeway. <clears throat> Man, what a vivid picture that is, right? (laughs) It's not possible to back up on a freeway. Once radical changes are implemented, they will become ensconced in law and culture. I am most concerned about what all this means for the next generation. Dr. James Dobson, again, writing this. Children are extremely vulnerable to leftist curricula in the public schools. Specifically, I am worried about parental rights and the legality of homeschooling. It is the only protection for kids. I have been expressing this Jeremiah since 1990 Hmm. when Gary Bauer and I wrote a book entitled Children at Risk since 1990. What we said then has proved to be prophetic of our day. It described what I call a civil war of values, a civil war of values that was developing when the book was published. And he goes on, he says, this is what I wrote. I'm going to read it for you. This is what I wrote. In any major conflict between two established armies, a collision will eventually occur that proves to be decisive. Thereafter, historians will remember those terrible struggles as turning points that made the difference. For Napoleon, that decisive battle occurred at Waterloo. It was Gettysburg and Vicksburg for the Union Army and for Abraham Lincoln. It was Stalingrad and Normandy for Hitler's Germany. Excuse me. It was Midway, Okinawa and Iwo Jima for the Japanese. These were the battles that contributed significantly to the ultimate outcomes of each war. 
And then he writes, continuing to write 30 years ago as follows. 30 years ago. This is what he wrote. It appears that America is now engaged in such a struggle. He writes, I predicted the culture war that was just lost. Okay. He says, the most radical activists have a specific objective in mind. They hope to accomplish it by isolating children from their parents. It will then be relatively easy to reorient and indoctrinate future generations of Americans. This strategy explains why the most bitter campaigns are being waged over school curricula and other issues that involve our kids. The hearts and minds of children are the keys to the future. And then he writes, this was my prediction. Children will be the prize to the winners of the great civil war of values. Let me read that again. Children will be the prize to the winners of the great civil war of values. Those who control what young people are taught and what they experience, what they see, hear, think, and believe will determine the future course of the nation. Given that influence, the predominant value system of an entire culture can be redesigned in one generation mm. <laughs> or certainly in two by those with unlimited access mm. to children. Last point here from Dr. Dobson's letter in February. Writing now to parents and grandparents in 2021, never in history has it been more important for you to defend your kids and your rights to raise them in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Fight for it with your very lives. If you are too intimidated or distracted to give priority to your children, the popular culture will take them to hell. The strategy is working. The strategy is working. Our kids, because we believe that the culture, the culture is neutral. We think that it's, you know, if I don't specifically put my kid in this crosshair, then my kid is not. Let me open the phone lines. 888-589-8840. Maybe we'll get two calls in. 888-589-8840. It is time. It's past time. I, I, I'm not trying to be hyperbolic here, but I, what I am trying to strongly stress is that we have been given a mandate by God. We have, we have been entrusted with the gospel and we're supposed to be getting that gospel to our kids first. I mean, that's, they're right there in our homes and yet we are overlooking them and the culture is saying, you're not, oh, you're not going to eat that. Can I have it? That's what the culture's like. Oh, you're going to just leave that on the tray. Oh, come here. That's a, that's a perfectly good kid. You're, you're not going to write on that slate? Oh, my goodness, please, bring it, bring it over here. Oh, man. And we think because maybe in some instances we're not signing them up for this <laughs> or taking them and dropping them off. What I'm trying to tell you is that our kids are immersed. It, it is all around. It is all around. So if you are not writing on your kid's slate, if you are not actively training your kid about the implications of human sexuality and sexual identity and its root in the Genesis account, 
that if if we can dismiss that and if we can just, you know, say, well, maybe maybe those things aren't true, that those things have huge have a huge implication on the gospel. If you're not being um, proactive in this, if you're only reacting. You're losing. Mm. You're losing. And why am I telling you that? Because every single day, every single day, people who want to hold your kid's hand on the way to hell, they are being proactive. Yeah. Every yeah. single day. From Oreo all cookies. From all, from all angles. angles <laughs> from all angles. Oreo cookies. We don't even really know what that cream is. <laughs> we don't know. But they will change the color of it because why? Your kids are important to them. Do you understand when cartoons now have a sexuality? Um, why? Because your kids are important to them. Let's go to the phone lines. Will the Great, where do we go first? All right, let's go to John in Tennessee. Hi, John. Hey, Will and Mickey. How are you guys doing? doing Hello. Good. You guys doing well? Yes. Yes, doing great. Thank you, John. Go right ahead. Yeah, just wanted to call in. Listen, uh, long-time listener, first-time caller. Um, I've been a missionary overseas in Thailand for five or six years. Uh, my wife and I have five five kids together, mm. and I just wanted to, with emotion in my heart, just say you guys are, are really doing something special because with those five kids that I've raised, now that we're back stateside, I realize with that, my youngest son, he's nine years old, and I just realized what a difference it is from raising the first to the last as you get complacent. Mm. What you guys spoke on, what you guys spoke on about riding on the tablets of your kids' hearts mm. versus trying to erase what the world puts on them, man, that right there will preach. You guys could mm. do a whole, a whole day on that very topic. I just wanted to amen that and oh. say, I know that's speaking to a lot of parents out there. What you guys are, are saying is the heart of the Lord. And we need to, as Christians, we need to be riding on the tablets of our kids' hearts mm. and not allowing the world to put that stuff in there that mm. we have to fight so hard against to save them. And I mm. just want to commend you guys what you're doing. It's, it's, it's changing the body of the Christ, and, and I appreciate uh, the heart and the strength with which you guys stand. Oh, man. Thank Glory you, to God. John, thank you so much. I appreciate you. Thank you. Um, let's try to squeeze in one more call. We'll agree. All right. Let's go to Ken in Arkansas. Hi, Ken. Hey, how are y'all doing today? It's so good to hear your voice. Good. Hello. God bless you, Ken. I, I really appreciate what y'all are saying. And, and I just want to throw out, I want to throw out a plea, an absolute plea. We are going to have to get to the point to where Christians are going to have to stand up and defend our, our right to live our faith and to share our faith, mm-hmm. just like the LBGTs and all of them fight and, and tooth and nail claw and do what they need to do to defend what they believe. Mm-hmm. As long as we're not, a, not willing to defend what we believe and what we know to be true and the world that we want to live in, which is a God-fearing, law-following world, mm-hmm. if we don't stand for that and fight for it, 
we're going to lose it. Ken, look, let me tell you something. You are making an excellent point, and, and, and I'm telling you, part of our standing for truth, defending the truth in a culture that desperately needs it, is something that helps those who are lost and languishing in sin. And we may do a show on this because it's also something that's kind of been stewing around as, as I think about what Christians should stand up for in culture. We're out of time today until tomorrow, Lord willing. God bless.